Good evening and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. We're online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. Our April edition is out on the streets across the city. You can find it in our red and white news boxes in more than 60 public libraries, as well as independent bookstores, cafes, social movement centers, and other venues. And we will have another issue coming out at the very beginning of May. I'm joined today by my co-host, Amma Gagarian. Hi, John. It's great to be here with you on 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. We have another fantastic show for you today. Uh, in our first section, we'll talk We'll talk with uh, workers at Trader Joe's uh, who are on the verge of voting on whether or not to unionize at their store at Essex Crossing in Lower Manhattan. We'll also have some other labor news updates. We'll also be hearing from uh, some tenant organizers down in Coney Island who have been fighting against privatization of their NYCHA complexes, uh, which has been happening in the city since 2016. And in the uh, second half of this show, we'll get an update on the, on the New York State budget impasse in Albany with Socialist State Senator Jabari Brisport of Brooklyn. Uh, we'll find out more about uh, what uh, has uh, – Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul and the legislature at odds, uh, starting with uh, criminal ref- uh, justice reform and bail reform and various other topics. But first, we turn uh, we turn to labor news here in New York. Uh, uh, workers at the Trader Joe's in uh, at Essex Crossing in Lower Manhattan uh, will begin voting uh, tomorrow and through Thursday on whether or not to unionize that Trader Joe's, the discount uh, grocery uh, chain um, has had seven stores seeking union recognition so far across the country. Uh, There have been uh, votes in favor of unionization in Hadley, Massachusetts, uh, Minneapolis and Louisville and several other stores are weighing whether to uh, make that move as well, including the one here in New York. Uh, There was a rally uh, outside the store on Grand Street, uh, uh, this morning, and, and WBAI's Taylor Fleming was there, and she spoke with some of the workers as they uh, prepare for this uh, historic moment. company for about three and a half years now and um, I've seen a lot of the great things that we started out with be taken away from us and I think really we all saw it come to a culmination during the COVID-19 pandemic when at first we weren't even allowed to wear masks we were blocked from a lot of protections and once those were given to us as quickly as we got them they were taken away and a lot of people felt unsafe felt cheated and we're having a hard time speaking up trying to get those things back for themselves honestly it's helped me feel even closer to my co-workers knowing what their um, needs are, what their concerns are, and um, knowing that we have their backs and that they have ours and want us to do this for them. Yes, we have amazing support. We have majority support, but it's like you never know with an election. I'm feeling excited and confident, but I'm also weary. There is definitely um, a contingent of anti-union workers at our store. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just been a bit 
disheartening to see, but definitely feeling proud, so proud of the organizers here and the workers standing together. And I really do believe that together we will be able to come through a win. In fact, most people want to continue working here for a long time, but it's just because we want this job to be sustainable, to like actually be able to pay rent, bills, healthcare for people who have kids, like support their families with this job. Um, I'm definitely very hopeful. I am just really hoping people turn out and vote tomorrow and Thursday. That was uh, workers outside Trader Joe's earlier today at a rally. Uh, footage, uh, again, made possible by WBAI's Taylor Fleming. Thank you for that, Taylor. And, and uh, Amba, uh, your thoughts? You've covered a number of these uh, uh, unionization campaigns over the last couple of years. Right. Well, I think one thing that's important to mention is that this has been an ongoing uh, fight for two years now. So for two years, they've been in the planning processes and the campaign processes. They've had a core organizing community always on the ground from two to four people, which doesn't sound like many, but a lot of times it's hard to keep up any core organizing committee for that long. So um, I, I know that they've been on the ground and that the the core organizers are have been employees for um upwards of five years so uh uh they were pushed to move during uh uh the effects of covid on their workplace like many many workers across the country that we've been seeing in this uh upsurge in unionization and uh, a final straw which we reported on a few weeks ago but the final straw was when there was a sewage collapse in the trader joe's and um employees that got pushed over the limit and so now they had they had enough to sign cards they had over a majority of their cards signed so that was employees saying yes uh they they would be down to vote for a union so we'll see what happens we'll be holding our breath till april 20th which is also when oakland will be voting uh the oakland trader joe's uh so so we'll be watching and we'll be continuing to report on this keep up with us in our in our upcoming issue right and we have some uh, other uh, labor news we want to Take a few minutes to to round up here. Uh, uh, service industry workers like those at uh, Trader Joe's, uh, Starbucks, REI, and other uh, venues have been unionizing at a, a rapid clip, uh, really unexpected up until a couple of years ago. And the latest uh, news we have uh, from Burlington, Vermont, uh, uh, workers at the flagship Ben & Jerry's store uh, there yesterday announced uh, – they're forming a union uh, called Scoopers United. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the company has said they will respect the workers' right to unionize. Obviously, Ben & Jerry uh, you know, uh, has a, a very progressive image. Uh, you know, some uh, out, out, outfits like Starbucks and Trader Joe's have uh, gone to the mat to try to stop uh, union drives. Uh, ben & Jerry's, which is owned by Unilever, says they will honor this. So uh, we'll see. Uh, how that unfolds. And then that's a big, that's a, that's a notable difference, right? Is that Trader Joe's and Ben and Jerry's, while they're big corporations, they have this uh, more people friendly MO. And, and we, we've seen a slight difference with Trader Joe's while there's still been huge union busting. They've been able to start negotiating the workers who have already unionized with the Trader Joe's management. And that's how you really get the goods. That's how you get your first contract. Whereas at Amazon, no negotiation has happened. So continue, John. Right. And uh, speaking of uh, negotiations uh, leading uh, to victory and, or- well, organizing uh, 
leading to negotiations and into victory uh, across uh, the Hudson over in New Jersey. A big strike uh, last week at Rutgers University. The flagship campus uh, is in uh, New Brunswick. There's also satellite campuses in Jersey City and Camden. I hope I'm not leaving out any other Jersey towns that have a um, a Rutgers campus. Uh, and you had uh, 9,000 uh, faculty um, who uh, went on strike, the first strike in uh, Rutgers history. Uh, and one of the things that um, really jumped out to me, I saw uh, this clip on social media last week uh, that we're going to play here in a second of um, of, of striking workers at Rutgers, uh, hundreds of them singing in, in unison, uh, uh, serenading a university uh, president, uh, Jonathan uh, Holloway. Uh, um, let's uh, listen to that. So they were singing, uh, hey, Holloway, I want to know if you're going to raise my wage. Uh, Jonathan Holloway, uh, being the Rutgers University uh, president. Um, right. And to recap, 9,000 Rutgers faculty from three faculty unions went on strike last Monday. This is the first strike in the university's 256-year history. And a framework agreement was reached over the weekend after round-the-clock negotiations were overseen by New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. The focus of this strike was lifting up poorly paid, non-tenured faculty at Rutgers. And under this contract, part-time adjunct professors will receive a 48% pay increase and graduate students will receive a 33% pay increase and increase job security. Not too much, this is not too much to ask a university where the president makes $1 million per year and the football coach, coach makes, wait for it, $8 million per year. And, and they didn't even have a winning season last year. And they didn't even have a winning season last year. And uh, as we said, there's been unionization upsurge in general, and this is a part of a wave of campus organizing unions and campus strikes uh, across the country, public, private, and uh, different grade levels. Um, yeah. Right. And, and um, uh, you know, one thing that stood out, two things that stood out uh, to me was, the way the the full time tenured faculty uh, fought so tenaciously uh, on behalf of their their adjunct uh, part time uh, colleagues who uh, do a lot of the teaching at uh, universities these days, but are paid only a fraction of what the the full time uh, tenured uh, faculty make. Uh, so that's a, a big issue in academia, and and in a lot of places, the full time faculty sometimes sit it out. And, and as long as they're doing well, but at Rutgers, you saw some uh, really uh, strong solidarity there across all ranks of uh, of the professoriate and, and on behalf in particular of the lowest paid members of the faculty. And also in New Jersey, uh, they had the ability to go on strike here in New York. We have the 1967 Taylor law, which uh, outlaws uh, public sector workers being able to strike it, it, there's very 
serious fines and other penalties that come with the illegal public sector strikes here in New York. So, um, you know, if, if New York is a union town, we certainly need a New York state to repeal the um, Taylor law at some point. Um, and just uh, real quickly, uh, uh, a couple other uh, updates. Uh, an- another story we've, we've been covering on, uh, especially on uh, indie Twitter, it is uh, uh, home health care workers, uh, many of them uh, uh, Chinese American or other uh, immigrant uh, community from other immigrant communities, uh, ha- had a three day uh, protest encampment um, outside City Hall uh, last week. Uh, they are continuing to demand the end uh, of a t- practice of a 24-hour workday in which they're only paid 13 hours um, when they are taking care of uh, elderly people in their homes. They want a maximum of uh, 12-hour shifts. Uh, there's a measure in front of city council, intro 175, that has been stalled there. Council Speaker Adrian Adams has so far uh, refused to bring that up for a vote. Uh, the protesters vowed to return on May 1st. So we will be following that story. Also, there was protests last week. Municipal retirees, their health care coverage is being uh, switched uh, from Medicare to privately run Medicare Advantage. We've covered that before. Um, now being done unilaterally by Mayor Adams. More than 500 uh, retirees turned out for protests last week, the largest so far. Let's listen to retired Dominic Casas talk about the sense of betrayal he and many other retired city workies, workers feel by the mayor's move to shift their health care coverage from Medicare to privately run Medicare Advantage. Firefighter, I came on the job in 1987. I worked in Engine 233 in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Worked in Ladder 174 in uh, East Flatbush, Brooklyn. And then I worked in the Bronx, Ladder 39, top of the Bronx. We, we negotiated contracts in the 90s that gave us certain benefits and we got very low pay raises to get these benefits. So the contention is we did our part, whether it's the fire department, police or other city agencies, we did our part and the city now doesn't want to do their part. After 25, 30 years, now they, they decide, oh, we don't want to pay for this anymore. So they want to t- change these benefits that we already have, that we're acclimated to and accustomed to for us and our families, and they want to give us something less. But they're telling us it's something better, but it isn't. And we're going to be forced into a substandard care, not a better care. But the city's um, going to save $600 million a year on us, and this is what they're offering. There's no way this is better care. These future city agencies and employees are all going to be subject to the same health insurance. And anytime I go out that door, I may not come back again. I may be burned. I may be killed. I may be hurt or injured severely. And I don't understand that why the city is okay with letting people put their lives on the line like that. And then you're going to jerk them around and you're going to change their benefits. You, know, you decide 25 years later, you don't want to pay for this. The unions here that it may be somewhat less prominent, if you will, you're the average city worker who doesn't get all that recognition that maybe the cops in the fire department do. But, you know, there's a lot of people who serve this city. And, and this is just not right what you do. All right, that was a firefighter, a retired firefighter Dominic Casase, uh, narrating much of that uh, f- uh, footage from the Indies. Sue Brisk. Um, this is a story we'll continue to follow. Expect the retirees to fight this every step of the way. 
Speaking of retirees, uh, Amba, in France, the protests uh, continue there over President Macron's uh, drive to raise the uh, retirement age from 62 to 64. Right. The streets were full again this past weekend as police and protesters engage in open classes, clashes, and a police station in the provincial capital of Rennes was set ablaze, a visual that went viral on social media. And this these have been the biggest protests that France has seen since 2007, which is saying something because protest is much more prevalent there, um, and they're ongoing, so we'll be watching to see if uh, this ongoing protest changes anything um, or if it'll just be pure police repression from here on out after the Constitutional Council's decision. Right. On Friday, uh, the France's Constitutional Council, which I, I think is something like their Supreme Court, uh, upheld the uh, uh, President Macron's uh, power to unilaterally enact uh, the increase in the retirement age. He, he was facing defeat in Parliament and used uh, a rarely used constitutional uh, provision to uh, just ram it through unilaterally. The outrage uh, around this uh, has only multiplied since then, and uh, it, it seems like it's going to be uh, a long, uh, protracted battle. The French, as you said, are uh, accustomed to uh, protesting and, and challenging their government in a way we don't often see here in the United States. And we'll have more coverage of that movement in our May Independent as well. I know you're in touch with our correspondent over there on a regular basis. Uh, so uh, we'll be back with more after this short break. <laughs> 